You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares the wisdom of the Hasidic master, Rabbi Kolonimus Kalman Shapira of Piazetsna. Through the Piazetsna Rebbe's various works, Rabbi Ami guides us on a unique path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine that is steeped in the Jewish mystical tradition. Tonight is the 17th of Cheshvan, which the Torah says is the day the flood started. It's the day the Mabu began, the times of Noah. Uh, singing, there's really two sides. I mean, there's many sides, but at least two sides on a basic level to look at the story of Noah and the Mambo. One side is how could God just wipe out his whole world? One side is how much destruction and loss, like unimaginable loss. It's one way to look at the story. And it's one side of the story. And there's another side of the story, which is Shem cares enough to keep these people alive. These people, these animals, a seed of the whole Bria contained in this little ark that floats through the waters, even when Hashem's ready to destroy everything. But there's enough care and love and investment and desire to keep the whole world contained in this little floating raft. And the miracle of life of Noah. That's tonight. Mambo started in the times of the Cheshvan. And Sefer we're going to learn tonight from is in many ways a Teva Noach. It's a life raft. And for those of you who weren't here before, who aren't familiar, PSS Nerevi or many Sfarim, we have about five or six of them in existence. The Sefer we're going to learn from tonight, Sefer Ish Kodesh, were the Drashot that the Rebbe wrote and gave in the Warsaw Ghetto between 1940 and 1943. Maybe the talent of 39 began. And in 1943, a few months before he himself was taken to a concentration camp where he was killed that year, um, he buried his writings in the grounds in Warsaw. He wasn't the only Jew who buried his writings. There were a whole group of Jews who were archiving their life um, in the ghetto. And along with those writings, we have the Rabbi's Trashot and some of his other writings that became this friend we have now. Every single word that's in this book, the Rabbi said, wrote, thought, taught in the ghetto and buried in the ground. Okay. 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 Okay.
רצינו לשמוע שירים. שירים? איפה זה? שרנו עכשיו, עכשיו לומדים, לא ידוע לי מקום ששרים, אה, בית כנסת יקר נראה לי, שרים, אבל זה לא כאן באזור. מוזמנים להצטרף, אבל... מה לומדים? לומדים ספר יש קודש. רציני. אבל זה שיעור באנגלית, אני מקווה שזה בסדר. אם זה לא מתאים, אז סליחה. בסדר. רצון, דזייר, that was put on paper here and buried in the ground, there was <coughs> next to nothing chance of it ever surviving past that mubble. And it was found in the years after the war among the rubble of the ghetto by Polish construction workers in a container and brought to the local Jewish archives. And then Sit, sat there for years until uh, a Jew came over from Eretz Yisrael and was told by the PSS HaChassidim, look for the Rebbe's writing, look for the Rebbe's writings, and spent weeks looking for the writings and finally found them. The whole thing here is the Teva Noach. I have a picture of the Teva. It's a rusty milk can. This is the Teva. Hey, Mashi. Is this it? by some amazing shkacha and uh, I think from the Rebbe's intense emunah and what he was doing. He was able to make it through somehow that we could sit here tonight and learn it. And we saw last week also that uh, the Rebbe put a letter in with his writings too but in a few letters, in one of the letters we read last year, that the Rebbe was begging people to learn his farm. So I beg you, please, have my farm be learned among Israel, and I promise that the schut of all of my ancestors will be there for people who learn my farm and their families. So what we have in our hands tonight, what we're going to be learning tonight, beyond the, just even the person who we're learning from and we spoke about two weeks ago, but even just the writing on the paper here is something that it's hard to even comprehend. I'll say one more thing about the Sefer. I saw the Rebbe's yard site was uh, 12 days ago, something like that. And I watched this uh, for the first time and never kind of brought myself to it. The Jew who went to find these writings, Baruch Tov Devani, brought this, the, the writings over to Israel. They were published here. In 1955, he recovered them. 
This is actually on footage. It's Mamish on YouTube. You can just find it. The Eichmann trial in 61-62 took place at the Chiragachar Center two blocks from here to be made as a big event. Right? They had to fit a lot of people in there. There was a lot of publicity. They were basically telling the story to the world of what happened to Amisil during the Shoah. Baruch Devani stood up on the witness stand with the Sefer in his hands and read portions of this book as a testimony against Eichmann, as an edut to tell the world what, what Amisil went through. Dr. Noach, did, did the Rebbe make it? No, he didn't make it. Was the Rebbe defeated? No, he wasn't defeated. His light wasn't extinguished. His words lived on. What we saw in last, last year when we read from Derech HaMelech, the Rebbe said someone who's a mechaber, somebody who writes a sefer, it's not just a book where they write down their nice thoughts, but it's a... It's pouring every limb of their body and soul into the into the words here. It's a gilui, an uncovering of each limb of their body and each limb of their what he calls the shir koma ruchani, spiritual body, to create a place where heaven and earth meet. So that's what I'm. That's what he buried in the ground for us, and that's what survived. So we're going to learn tonight from Parsha Yitro. Take a pass. And just a few words of introduction here. On some level, this Torah. Talks about some of the themes of uh, the same ideas that I that I brought up in some ways. You'll see, and on some level, this Torah is is talking to us about what this entire sefer is, what the Rebbe is doing in this entire sefer. In the only book, the only sefer that the Rebbe published in his lifetime, the he has a section in the back called Shlosha Mamari, three essays, and. One of those essays is called Eich Lahagot B'Sifre Chassidut. How do you learn books of Chassidut? And there he talks about books of Chassidut, Kabbalah. How are you supposed to learn these things? And without getting into it too much, maybe we'll, we'll have a shiur devoted to it. He walks us through um, both concept, theory, and application of putting yourself into, the, into the, what you're learning. You read something, it's not about something inside of you. The avoda is to see how does that reflect and relate to, to your own life, to your own experience, to your own midot, to different parts of your yourself. And what we see over and over again in the Rebbe's writings, you can read it and, and say, okay, it's a nice treasure and so forth. But when you understand what was happening to the Rebbe at that time, you see that this is what he was doing all the time. 
he was putting himself in Torah, he was putting Torah into his life and creating his Divya Torah from that encounter. Not as a detached concept. But what I'm living, what I'm experiencing right now is part of Torah. It has to be. How, how, how is that? How is that? From that place, finding new, new openings, uncovering the Divya Torah. So you look at the beginning of this of this Joshua and Parsha Ditro, and this is very rare in this whole sefer. But he writes here uh, that hey, it's writing at the top of the page, Yitro, Zu Haiti On this Shabbos, the Rebbe writes, I was in hiding. There's not another drasha in the sefer, as far as I know, where the Rebbe talks about what was happening as, as by ways of introduction. This happened to me, or I was here. Or... This Shabbos, the Rebbe said, I was in hiding on this Shabbos. I did a little bit of reading. Apparently, during, during the time that this drasha was given, there were some roundups happening in the Warsaw Ghetto. And whenever things like that were happening, it was the, the most important people in the community who were targeted the most. So, so the Rebbe had to, had, to, had to hide away until that passed. And when the Rebbe wasn't hiding that Shabbos, this is the, this is the Joshua, this is the Torah he was learning when he was in hiding. Before we get into Torah itself, I wanted to show you one thing. Part of what's much astounding and heartbreaking enough is that we have access to the handwritten manuscript. The manuscript that was stuffed in the, in the earth. We have, there's, we have access to it. It exists. Yiska, uh, you were asking, what is this book? This is a book that was put out um, in the past year by somebody who took the handwritten manuscript and, and all the edits that the Rebbe made on every page and sort of detailed what the Rebbe was doing on the page that you don't see in the published version. You see things that were crossed out, things that were added, things that were changed. So get a little more inside what was going on for the Rebbe when he was writing this. So this, this sentence, the first thing the Rebbe wrote was, it says, Bedhei, Yitro, Bigalut. When the Rebbe first Said over this drasha, or wrote this drasha, he said, This Shabbos was a Shabbos of exile. And he crossed it out. I'm not sure when, but I don't know if you can really see, but see up the top here. There's a word that's crossed out just above my finger. There's a word crossed out, and then some scribbles on top of it. Right here is the cross out. The Rebbe crossed out the word kalut. He said, Now, I don't know what the Rebbe was thinking or feeling here, but I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> That's the best I can do. At first, the Rebbe was saying this to her and saying, I'm in exile here. Forget what we think, exile, you could, you know, now in Israel, 2017, you like leave Yerushalayim, you're in exile. You leave this country to another country, you're in exile. 
go to Poland for sure you're in exile. You think in the Warsaw Ghetto you're for sure, for sure in exile. For the Rebbe, when he had to hide for Shabbos, he called that Galut. He said, oh, this is, this is Galut now. But then at some point he says, you know, I wasn't in Galut. I wasn't in exile, I was hiding. He transformed the experience of exile to the one of hiding. So I'm not where I usually am. I'm not standing in front of my Hasidim on Shabbos morning teaching. I'm not in my home. But even if I have to hide, I don't have to be in exile. And we're going to see that that's what this whole Torah is. This whole Torah, I think by the time we get to the back up, to the end of it, you'll see that the, that one word switch from exile to hiding, it says all. So the beginning of Parsha Yitro, I'll just read what's published here. Opening pasuk of this Parsha, Parsha Yitro, right? This is the Parsha where the Torah is given. It opens with Yitro, Moshe's father-in-law. The priest of Midian, he heard all that God did for Moshe and Am Yisrael, his nation, that God took them out of Egypt. And we know from the Torah that Yitro comes and talks to Moshe, gives him some advice. And the, the Masorah is that Yitro came to, to hear Torah, came to, to join Am Yisrael. So he left his station as the high priest of Avodah in Midian to become Jew, to become part of the Jewish people. <coughs> So Rashi says, Space on Midrash Chazal. What do you mean? Vayishma Yitro. Yitro heard, so he came. I'm not even in, I'm not even in here yet. Yeah, I have the Rashi up, up above. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm not even in, in the text yet. Okay. And then just say the Rashi out so we can understand the context here. What do you say here that made him come? Kriyam Suf in Amalek. He heard the splitting of the sea, and he heard the war with Amalek, which happened shortly after. Okay? So that's the Basuk, that's the Rashi. Let's see what the Rabbi says. Also, just, I don't, you know, if I say anything that you're missing, whether it's content-wise, or I lost you, or there's a word I'm saying that's not making sense, please stop me and ask. And uh, feel free to, to share your own thoughts also. The Nodat HaKushya Bisifrei, his father is fine. He says my, he has a lot of beautiful ways to, to honor his father. And another Sfarim Kadoshim. What is Rashi saying? What did he show here that made him come? The Pasuk itself says, Yitro heard that God took them out of Egypt. And what all that God did for Moshe and Am Yisrael, and so he came. Why is Rashi saying, what did he hear? The Pasuk says what he heard. Why is Rashi giving this answer? It says it straight up in the Pasuk. I don't know why he asked the question, and I don't know why he gave this answer. Who is the Rebbe's father? 
Reb Elimelech Migdruzhinsk from the line of Kuznets, Magomed Kuznets. Some of the, that's, that's the question. Why is Rashi asking this question and what kind of answer is he saying? Aval Kabbalah Torah Bamidbar We receive the Torah in the wilderness, in the desert. That's where Yitro came to. There's actually a beautiful Midrash Chazal. I'll read it out for you as I have it, as it's written here. Yitro was the high priest where he lived. He was the head honcho. And he came out to meet Amisra in the desert. So Chazal says like this. The Pasuk is bewildered by Yitro when it says that he comes to the desert. Yitro was sitting in the highest honor in the world. And he desired to, to go out to the wilderness, to the desert. Place of desolation, of chaos, where there's nothing there. That's why the Torah tells us specifically he went to the desert. Just show us what, what, what kind of radical move this was for Yitro. You can imagine him wearing, you know, all the adornments of a priest in a temple. Wealth, honor, stature. He left his position. To come here to us. It wasn't just like somebody who was searching for God and said, Oh, I heard there's a new religion. So somebody Chazal says that Yitro had become expert master in every single religion known on earth before he came <coughs> to Torah. So he left Kvodo Shalom. He left the highest, most honorable position in the world to come to a place of Tahu to throw himself into the wilderness to hear the great Torah. So the Rabbi starts saying, Kabbalah Torah b'midbar We heard, we heard the Torah, we received the Torah in the desert. So we can also point and bring in what the, the base Aaron, the Karlina Rabbi, who, if I'm not mistaken, was a ancestor of the Rabbi's wife, that the base Aaron says about this Rashi, not, not this Rashi, sorry, about Rashi in, in Dvarim on Kriyat Shema. Okay? It says in Dvarim Shema Yisrael, Shem Elkeinu, Shem Echad, V'yahavtat Hashem Elkecha, B'chol Avavcha, B'chol Nafshacha, B'chol Meodecha. Rashi there says, what do you, what does it mean, B'chol Avavcha? What does it mean, God is one, love God with all your heart? So Rashi says, Shalom Yeheh Libcha Chaluk Alamakom. God is one, love God with all your heart, means don't let your heart be split about God. Hamakom is one of the names of God, the place. Don't let your heart be chaluk, don't let it be divided over God. What do you think that means? Is it also connected to machoket, Which would mean what? 
What would that mean here? Tough your your heart. Some kind of opposition, some kind of contradiction. Machloket on God. You've got a claim, claim against God. Uh, what do you say? Opposition. He's nagdut. That's the first part of Rashi. The parachir is this. It's in position to be to mute. It's definitely it's not whole. Saying my heart's not whole with God. My heart's split. And I think I think yes, Aviv. I think there's a piece there too. Chaluk al hamakom. There's a certain like fighting against God. Certain thing that I just can't accept. So what does the Karina Rebbe say about this Rashi? Don't say, so the Karina makes a, a drasha on, on this Rashi. Rashi says, meaning God. But the Karina says, Makom also means place. He says, to say God is one and to love God fully with your heart, it means don't say, you know, in this place, oh, I can really serve God. But in this place, it's impossible. In every single place you ever end up, you have to serve God. So now the Rebbe here is saying Yitro came to the desert to serve God. So that's already in this context. Okay, you're going to a place that there's no Stiblach there, there's no mikvah there, there's no uh, home there, there's nothing there. You're going there to serve God. <coughs> Don't say there's a place that I can't serve God. But what's the Rebbe doing this Shabbos? Hiding. The Rebbe's hiding somewhere. And the Rebbe's probably not the only person hiding somewhere. And even if the Rebbe is the only person hiding somewhere, when he's saying this Torah, says Chasidim, he's not the only one who's been displaced. So when you imagine what it means for the Rebbe to say in 1940 on Parsha Yitro, when he's in hiding, Lo yelibcha chaluk makom. So on the first level, forget the Karliner now, just the shot of Rashi. The Torah the Rebbe's learning when he's hiding in the Shabbos is, Lo yelibcha chaluk makom. Don't let your heart fight against God. saying, I'm not going to let my heart be divided over God right now, which would be the natural thing to do, to have machloket on Hashem in this situation. Can you control it? Probably not in the small way, you know? Not in like, well, just don't feel that. No, I don't think it's. I don't think you can just simply overcome that. The Rebbe is going to talk to us about a whole other way of looking at how to receive Torah and what it means to receive Torah. But I mean, it makes the question even stronger. What do you mean, Lo This is what the Rebbe is dealing with this Shabbos. How am I supposed to serve God? How can I even accept this? And then he says another thing, which is. Okay, well, wherever I am, 
I have to find a way to serve God too. Wherever I might be, he's remembering the Carliner's words. Don't say that there's a place where I could serve God and ugh, this place I can't serve God. If only I was back home, then it would be Shabbos. So the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's working with that. The Rebbe's saying, I'll be in hiding. But I'll still be Shabbos. I'm still going to find Chidusha Torah. I'm still going to give Chizuk to people. I'm still going to find God here. I will serve him. Or at least serve him. If Am Yisrael had received the Torah here, imagine came to Yerushalayim, the whole nation triumphantly ascending to Har Habayit, and that's where we got the Torah. I mean, like Har Sinai, we don't even, it's like not even Har Sinai anymore. Okay, there's a place in Sinai, St. Catherine, people say it's the mountain, but it's like it happened and poof, it's gone. But if we came and we had a land and a home and came to Eretz Yisrael to receive it, they would have thought, you know, only when we're in our own place, we can, we can live the Torah. But not when we're in exile and when we're full of troubles. Therefore, that's why Hashem gave us the Torah in the desert. On the way, we were baderech in the desert. We weren't anywhere. We were on our way to somewhere else. That's where Hashem gave us the Torah. But we were dragging ourselves through the wilderness. To know that there's no single place in the entire universe that the Torah doesn't reach, that there's not a place where I can't still be connected to Torah. Like I said before, for your heart not to be split over the makom, over God and over the place you are. So now he's going to go back to his first question, Rashi, and just kind of catch us up and give us structurally where we're at, because the Rebbe doesn't go through things linearly. He started with his question about Yitro, about Rashi in particular. What do you mean, what did Yitro hear that made him come? It says in the Pasuk what he heard. And why are you telling me, create Yamsuf and Mechemat We went from there to the Torah was given in the desert to teach us that there's no place where we can't serve God and there's no place where the Torah can't still be there, where we can't still be in the kind of Torah. So now we're back to, to Yitro and Rashi. So maybe this is what Rashi means there, he said. What did Yitro hear? That made him say, you know, I have to go somewhere. That made him come. Why did he have to go all the way into the desert? 
כי היה יכול לשבת בביתו. לשלוח למשה רבנו שישלח לו איזה איש מישראל שיגיירו, שיגיירו וילמדו תורה. He's Moshe's father-in-law, he's a chashev person. Let him send a messenger to Moshe and say, Moshe, I heard the awesome stuff that happened here. I believe in, in the one God. Send me somebody to teach me Torah. You know, Moshe asked Yitro's permission before he went to Egypt. He probably would have agreed to this too. Right? <laughs> Yitro himself went back to his family to teach Torah to his mishpacha back in Midian. He could have had a messenger come and do the same to him. Why did he have to get up and go somewhere? So he's saying maybe that's, that's what Rashi's really asking. Not what did Yitro hear that made him want to receive Torah, but what did Yitro hear that made him get up and go? There could have been another way to get the Torah. So Rashi says, Yitro heard Kriya Yamsu from Milchemet Amalek. Somehow Kriya Yamsu, the splitting of the sea and the war with Amalek, that is what sent Yitro the message, oh, it's not enough for me to sit here and have somebody tell me what's going on. I need to go somewhere. Right, the Torah says, "Zachor tasher salacha malek, v'derech b'tzidchem Yisrael, asher karcha v'derech." Which pshat means Amalek happened upon you on the way. Remember, the Rebbe said we were given Torah on the way. V'derech yotu. Amalek happened upon us, came out of nowhere on the way. Chazal says, "Karcha v'derech" means from the word "kar." They wanted to cool you off when you were on your way. Because you just gone through the ten plagues, and we were just saved from Egypt, and we just went through the Yam and saying to the Baruch Hu, we're in the the highest place imaginable, and Amalek wants to cool it off. The, the Given Mashal, like there's a boiling, the whole world saw Israel like a boiling pit of water that nobody wanted to touch, and Amalek said, you know, I might get burned, but I'm going to jump in there just to prove that I'm wrong. So Amalek wanted to cool us off. That was what the attack was about. Not even necessarily, I'm gonna, I can defeat them, but just, I want to show that I can cool them off. How is it possible that Amalek thought that they could do this after Kriya Yamsuf? Chazal says that at, at the splitting of the sea, a maid, of, of, of the nation then saw a vision, prophecy that was greater than anything that Yechezkel or Yeshayahu ever saw. Meaning every single person in the nation from the highest to the lowest, from the most important to the most neglected experienced the fullest revelation of God ever. So you say, how could Amalek even have the thought to cool these people off? To say, it's a little big deal. Aval Amalek chashav, kevan shehem baderech chas v'chalila yuchalahem. Amalek said, you know, you know what the opening is? 
Yes, they had a great revelation. Yes, they're very powerful. Yes, God is fighting for them. But you know what? They're on their way right now. They're but they're they're not secure. They're not rooted. They have no home. Amalek said that that's a weakness that I can attack. That was the vulnerable point in Amalek's mind. They're on their way, so I have some something to use against them. Even though Amisro had already previously been on such an amazing level. This is what I mean, that Amalek tried to cool you off on the way. So I want to ask you something. The Rebbe is sitting in the Warsaw Ghetto in 1940. So who is he talking about here? Is it the Shifra Shirata Alayam? The, the, he's saying on one level, to all the Jews, you're like the same, you're the same Jews across the Red Sea. There's, there's a sentence that the Rebbe quotes over and over again in all his farim. It's from the Gemara. Yeah, yeah. But the Jewish people throughout every generation, even if they're not the same prophets of yesteryear, they're the descendants of prophets. That we are a people whose prophetic spirit, whose attachment to God throughout the generations, yes, it changes. It takes on new faces, but it never ends. So the Rebbe is saying, you know, when people think that they can attack somebody who has that spiritual stature, you think that uprooting us means that we'll be weak and vulnerable. They think if we're baderech, okay, maybe they once had something. But look at these people. They have no home. And even if they have a home, we can take away their home. And then there will be nothing left of, of Nishmat Yisrael. Right? He's not just talking here about people who are in the ghetto, the people who are no longer in the ghetto. He's talking here about Am Yisrael, saying people who are on Madriga, Gedola, Kazu, There's no end to them. But Amalek thinks that if they're, but if we can get them to be on Baderech. The Rebbe is saying, if, if, if somebody could get me to have to hide for Shabbos, I think, ah, there's nothing left of these people. And the Rebbe is saying, I'm refusing to accept that. I'm refusing to accept that hiding, who knows where he was hiding. But hiding in whatever situation he's in, I'm, I'm, I'm refusing to say that there's no Torah here. I'm refusing to say that being uprooted, being baderech, is a place that that's going to extinguish me. And he's telling that to everybody else. He's telling that to us today too. He's saying being uprooted, not having security, not being where we once were, that looks like vulnerability. That's what Amalek says, ah, this is the place to get them. That's where the voice of Amalek 
finds its place. Baderach. Now look at what he says. So Yitro, this is right, Rashi said, Yitro heard Kriya Yamsuf, which was Rata Shivcha Bayam, which was the deepest revelation and prophetic essence of Am Yisrael being expressed. That's one thing Yitro heard. And the other thing Yitro heard was Milchemat Amalek. And specifically what he heard is the only reason Amalek thought that they could defeat Amisa was because they are Baderich. If this is the case, if Amalek is saying, since they're Baderich, since these prophets are homeless right now, so that's my chance to attack them. So now listen to what he says. Yitro says, if that's the case, if that's what, what happened with Amalek, lo dai the kabel tatara beveti bilvad. It's not enough for me to just sit at home and receive Torah. I also need to leave my home, go out to that place, and receive it baderech also. If I can do that, then I can also go home and be a Jew. I'm not going to be a Jew if I tell Moshe, send me somebody to teach me Torah. But only if I uproot myself, throw myself, fling myself, <coughs> so then I'll really be able to get the Torah. And then I'll also be able to be part of Israel. And then when I go home too, that's what I need in my home. I need that Torah of the Derech in order to be able to be an Obed Hashem in my home. Or else he does not feel lost when he gets the Derech in his life. You mean the next time? Yeah. That was the first thing the Rebbe said, right? We receive Torah in the Midbar to show us that it's no such thing as, oh, you slipped, you fell, you were uprooted, Torah's gone. Kaput. The Rebbe is saying, if I want to be a Jew at home, if I want to be a real Eved Hashem when things are good for me, when I'm secure, I need to be able to get that koach of Torah from being on, on the path, on the way. There's a kind of echo of his own experience. Um, there were some Hasidic Rebbe's who their Hasidic nature lead to Eretz Yisrael, to America. Mm -hmm. There were many, many Rebbe's who used to leave the Hasidim and PSS Mayor specifically, I think at the beginning of the war and also very near his end, um, there were um, offers to get him out mm -hmm. uh, and he always refused. Um, towards the end of his life, he made a pact with these other survivors who were also important people in the, in the camp where he was and some of some of them were totally secular and hit a pact that nobody's escaping if they have a chance to stick together. Um, and so here with, this is a couple of years before that, but already, already I think at the beginning of the war had an opportunity to, to escape and chose to stay in the camp with his people. So when he's talking about Yitro leaving his cover behind mm -hmm. and going mm -hmm. to Gullis, mm -hmm. to the desert, um, it 
to me, it sounds like an echo of that. And I wonder if that is part of what he, what he was thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, just listen to what, what the Rebbe is saying here through Yitro. Lo daily It's not enough for me to have just stayed at home. It's not, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been enough for me to still be a Rosh Yeshiva and for people to leave me alone. See what the Rebbe is doing? The Rebbe is transforming an exile imposed on him by Amalek, by other people, <coughs> and saying, right, that whole, just crossing out that word exile and writing the word hiding. I was not kicked out. I am in hiding to receive Torah. He's transforming the entire experience of what's going on with people here. To try to tell them, you know, your experience is that you lost everything. Your experience is that your enemies have taken everything from you. Your experience is that God has abandoned you. And he starts by saying, There's no such place. And he goes on to say, And me in hiding, I'm refusing to call it an exile. You know, this is where I have to go. If this is what, what's happening to me, it means this is where I have to be. Because he had Torah. He was hiding, but yet he had Torah. Right. But but before he had Torah there, he had to choose to be there too. In order to have Torah there, he had to say, I, It's hard for me to say certain things because sounds ridiculous to speak about this, these kinds of experiences. It, it feels ridiculous for me to try to say something about his experience or anyone else's experience who, who went through this. But what I hear the Rebbe saying is that somehow the Torah that he could learn, Hashem was showing him wasn't enough. And that the, the galut that Hashem brought so the Rebbe became for the Rebbe the place where he had to go to learn Torah that he couldn't learn before. And this entire Sefer really is Torah that in the most awful and terrible way would not have existed had the Rebbe not have gone through what he went through. But there's also no Torah like this in the world. There's no Torah that speaks to ways to find God in places that you would have never imagined like this Torah. So they're we saying through Yitro. He's saying through Yitro, it's not enough. Apparently it wasn't enough for me to even just be in my home in the Warsaw Ghetto. I have to go into hiding now to receive Torah. Because that's the place, Baderech, that is the place that Amalek chose Am Yisrael's weakness and said, oh, look, you see, that's where, that's where the, the following is. And the baby said, ah, if that's the case, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to read to the end here. Kred Yamsuf was the, the prophecy of Am Yisrael, was the great revelation that every single 
person experienced that. So, the baderach though is it's 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 two steps. One is he hears Kriyat Yamsuf. How how incredible what incredible level Am Yisrael is on, and he hears Muhammad Amalek. How could Amalek think that they have any fighting chance against these people who just experienced Kriyat Yamsuf? It's only because they're baderach. That's the combination of the two. It's the, and, and really what the Rebbe is saying with the combination of those two is, as crazy as it sounds, we're still B'nai Nevi'im in 1940 Warsaw. As crazy as it sounds, it's still Ra'atashiv Chalaya, Mashallah Yechezkel, and Avi. CCPWA Europe has equivalent to like Gilliam of Kriyashamsuf in some sense, but you I don't think so. Because the things he talks about seeing around him and things he wrote before the war, are, you know, he's looking the world in the eyes. He's not, uh, and he's in Warsaw. This is like a, this is like somebody once said to me, if you wanted to leave Yiddishkeit, Warsaw is the place you went. <laughs> you know, that's where you went to. Um, it's where my folks went. Just the reality of Warsaw. It was a lot of, it was, it was one figure, and there are multiple figures in, in like, networks of what was a lot going on right but i don't think that the rebbe is saying that that it was like we were all in the vm and then and then i'm like i think the rebbe is talking about like the whole scope of of am israel that's just that's just my my assumption based on the way he talks about the continuity of the vua as an inherent piece of our identity I think I think on a simple basic level, what he's saying is, don't think that the Israeli new has died, which is his way perhaps of encouraging us that we're able to also see God in the most for sure, for sure darkest places. Let's read to the end, and then we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit. Azuchaliot yuri gambeveti. Right, totally opposite of what you think. If I can go out and get the Torah in the no place in the wilderness, then I can go home and also get Torah. Meaning that since Yitro heard that after Kriya Yamsuf there was the war of Amalek, that Amalek thought that when they're on the way, they could overcome them. He was compelled to go to be on the way as well, to be on the derech as well, to go to the midbar and to convert there. It's what's really the connection. Like, evolved, like, Torah can happen, Amisrael can exist even even when they get attacked in the derech, even in, in the weak place. So why does that mean that I also need to go to the weak place? Right, that's exactly the question. The question here, I mean, at the end, you read the end here, and it's like, exactly what you're asking. Because it's not even, he's not even saying Yitro, he's not saying Yitro heard about how awesome the victory over Amalek was. He's saying Yitro figured out where Amalek identified Amisra's weak point and said, ah, 
if that's the case, if that's where Amalek feels the weak point of the of the Jewish people is, that's where I need to go. He's not even talking about winning the war. You hear that? He's not saying Milchemet Amalek Shama. He heard that God wiped out Amalek against great odds. He's saying Yitro heard what Amalek thought they could do to the Jewish people. Yitro heard where Amalek located the weak point in Am Yisrael, being Baderech. And Yitro said, that's where I need to go to receive Torah. It really doesn't make sense if you think about it, right? It, it doesn't seem to make sense. Maybe he wants to test her at its weakest point. Test? Like test, he's, he's, a, he's, one, he's testing religions. Mm -hmm. So he wants to sort of see Terra at its weakest. Mm. <laughs> he's a skeptic. I think, I, think, I think there's two things going on here. The first is that the Rebbe also told us earlier that really, really, really the place to receive Torah is Baderach, is in the Midbar. That's where Harsinai happened. So Yitro needs to connect to Torah, he needs to connect to Harsinai. That's Baderach, Batilto. That was the, the sort of paradigm. But I think that there's something deeper and we have to look at it through the Rebbe's eyes also which is it's apparently not enough for me to, the Torah I had in my home is apparently not enough. Apparently what God wants to teach me, I can only get out there. I can only get by leaving my home and I can only get by encountering the place that seems and feels like it shouldn't exist, but here it is. And if this is where I am, this must be where the Torah is waiting for me also. I mean, it's coming from this place of insistence that yesh Torah, yesh Hashem. And wherever I am, my job is to reveal that Torah. And so the Rebbe is saying, if I'm being forced to leave my home this Shabbos, if everyone in the ghetto is having their life destroyed around them, those of us who are left, there's still something God needs to tell us. And God needs to, for whatever reason, God needs to tell us here. And the switch that the Rebbe is making here is, Amalek's not doing it to me. That's the switch the Rebbe's making. The switch the Rebbe's making is Amalek is not doing this to me. I'm not in Galut. I'm going to a hidden place. There's Torah waiting for me somewhere else. I'm Baderech. And that's the place where I'm going to really receive Torah that I haven't received until now. And by doing that, Amalek's not doing it to me either. By the very, the Rebbe's ability to shift the picture from being oppressed to being Baderach to hear Torah, on some level, he's already, he's already free from Amalek. On some level, he's already not defeated.
there's something a bit different here, which is where he's going, he's either in some sort of self-imposed exile or by some sort of external forces, mm-hmm. and there he's choosing to find terror there. Whereas Yisra is in his comfort and he's choosing to go to the terror, which is in the exile. Mm-hmm. Which was Yitro. Right, and that's slightly, mm-hmm. slightly different than mm-hmm. that. Right. That- he might choose to have a victim mentality mm-hmm. in his state mm-hmm. because he's forced into it. That he might, that, that's, the, that's what he flipped. He might have a victim, he's saying, in the ghetto, like, you know, hey, we've got no choice here, we're victims. And he's saying, no, no, no. Yisro had free choice, who wasn't a victim, said, that's Dafka the place that he has to go to. And Yisro, I'm wondering if Yisro, why did Yisro go? I'm wondering if maybe he felt that he was Chiluk Hashem from his place at home, mm. because it would only have been intellectual mm. sitting in his home. I have all these statues. Why don't you bring me a mug and David also? <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't actually experienced it completely within himself, and he knows that it's like, you know, Abraham has to go mm-hmm. has to go through a test mm-hmm. to actually bring out that belief or that understanding into his consciousness mm-hmm. and Yeshua realizes he ain't gonna get it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he has to go and put himself right. in. It, it can't be you bringing Torah to fit into my home you need it to my be. home and by extension meaning my mentality of what it means to be in my place can't hold Torah it, it can make a very small statue out of Torah maybe. right and it could be go on my shelf with my other statues and maybe I'll even love that statue more than the others but that's not gonna that's not gonna really connect me to Torah. To get to Torah, I have to leave myself behind. And go into the worst circumstances, into the midbar. The the other the other the other Lashonot of Chazal on on Parshat Yitro are things like only somebody who makes himself hefker like midbar can receive Torah. And you have to there has to be a degree of self-abandonment. Of letting go of all of the clo- enclosures. That that's what Yitro modeled for us. Perhaps it was he needed he needed to experience this shared reality. And that's why he didn't come after the Lakot or after Yusiat Mitzrayim immediately. Mm-hmm. Idafka came after the part mm-hmm. where we were Badarach, where Amalek tried to Asher Bakacha Badarach. For him to, at that point, that's when he knew he had to experience the chance of that happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in order for him to really adopt or internalize. Because, because what's the because what's the difference? when he was out of his comfort zone and he was he himself was baderach mm-hmm. when he came to Moshe mm-hmm. he was baderach so because of that state of insecurity. Mm-hmm. It was not guaranteed that he would have succeeded. Mm-hmm. 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 And because it wasn't guaranteed that he would have succeeded, and he did, he had that shared reality mm-hmm. with the rest of the Israel. Mm-hmm. So that's really joining the people. Yes. That's really joining yes. the people. That's joining the people. I, w- I want to take this also just uh, out of context a little from, from Rebbe and just. How much do we really learn 
and grow and discover when we're when we sit at home, so to speak. When we sit at home, so to speak. I mean, we put a lot of energy and effort into controlling our lives and keeping ourselves safe and secure. Physically, emotionally, in terms of who and how we interact with people. And there's really good reasons for that. We put a lot of energy into that. But we, when it comes to encountering Torah, when it comes to, to really standing before God, those controls can sometimes really be strong filters for what we're going to end up getting. And I just, you know, I just want you to like think, think in your own life to times that you were uprooted in one way or another, became unsettled. Maybe it was literally leaving home. Maybe it was spiritually leaving home. And so just on a simple level, think about what you what you ended up getting from that experience that maybe you didn't expect or would have never chosen. I think one thing the Rebbe is giving us here is a, a way even to look in our own lives, whether we're looking at our, our back into our history, into our past, or whether we're just looking in how we experience life now. There's a dialogue that's possible at every stage here. Any time that we're sort of thrown, thrown for a loop, small one or a big one, I could try to fight it and say, can't believe this is happening to me. I'm not going to accept that this is happening to me. I think the Rebbe is showing us another way, which is, I would have never, ever in my life wanted this to happen. But what is God telling me? Where's a, part, a piece of my heart that's lo chaluka hamakom? Is there a piece here where I'm ready to receive something maybe that before this happened, I wasn't, I just couldn't. It just wasn't part of my domain. I think on some level, it's the worst Torah in the world. And on some level, it's the most deepest comforting Torah in the world. And for me, on some level, extremely empowering also. Say that it's possible to to switch in exile into something that, you know, that's where I've got to go. That's where I've got to go to. To switch being uprooted to saying that I'm on a path. I'm not abandoned. I'm on my way. And to be able to say, Zekeli <laughs> if you can go all the way back to Kriyamsuf, that would be amazing. But but for the Rebbe... No, it's so imminent. It's so uh -huh. imminent that 
that I'm this, pointing with my finger. Yes. For the Rebbe, for the Rebbe, when you look at the Torah, you see that this is what he was forced to do, and this is what he chose to do over and over and over again. He said, "Whatever I'm facing, this is another revelation." He mamish is saying here, "I'm going into hiding to find revelation." He's saying, "I'm sitting in the Warsaw ghetto to, and to find revelation, and I'm not going to leave." Because this is the revelation God is showing me. And this is the revelation not only God is showing me, but saying this is a revelation Am Yisrael is going to have to know of and hear for the rest of the time. So I'm going to write it down. And I'm going to daven with every fiber in my being that it outlives me. So it's, it, it's just built into the word derech. The derech is the one that is transiting and that it's taking you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear the beginning of your sentence. It's, the word derech itself is mm-hmm. either this transient, this place of danger and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. abandoned, or it's derech, it's leading you, it's mm-hmm. a path to, to mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. greater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Either I'm wandering or I'm going somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm also just looking at the last word of this Torah. Which means to convert. And if the Rebbe is, is if the Rebbe is being Yitro here, the Rebbe is saying, what well, was until now? I guess I wasn't a Jew. Now, when I'm going to experience something that I've never had to not had to face before, and find God there, that's my gerut. I'm going to start it all over again. Maybe I'm starting it over. It's like I'm I'm starting it for the first time. Everything is changing here. Rabbi wrote on his fortieth birthday years before this, uh, he basically said at that point, this was, this was when he was already the Beto, when, he, when things were good for him. He has a whole cheshbon nefesh, I'm turning 40, I'm looking at my life. Something essential is missing for me. Saying it's not Beto Torah, I spend all my time learning. Said, my midot, if I could say so myself, they're pretty good. I'm pretty solid. And he said, what's missing here is just the Yod Yehudi, is Menashama. I'm ready to convert them. So this is what the Rebbe was doing before the war too. He was leaving his place to go to the place that didn't exist for him yet. He was saying, what I have, Bebeti, it's beautiful, but at a certain point, it's not enough. At a certain point, I'm going to have to push myself to go beyond it. Because either I'm going to push myself beyond it, or it's going to happen to me. Does it happen to you on the path? Or am I acting? Am I the one who's pushing myself forward? who's choosing to reach out, to take a step, maybe even a half step, into the unknown, because I know that that's where I need to go.
want to add a little Nakuda. Um, feels very triumphant to like turn turn a gullus into a derech. Mm. Um, and there is, and it is a triumphant Torah. He is, there really is triumphant here. Um, so one thing I just want to say, which which is obvious, but I still want to say it, is just um, how like hard an understatement it is mm. to be there and to call the homer to like be thinking spiritual thoughts. And there's, I could imagine that he has inner battles to be saying, okay, I'm not in color with him. He had to say Shaluya Libcha Chaluka Lamako. That was the Torah he's thinking about. Right. And I, I think that reality, that like unconceivable, inconceivable reality in the Warsaw Ghetto that he sometimes describes, uh, it does make the truth that he's like pulling out of it that much more forceful and true. Um, I just, I personally find it always important to kind of remember the just how hard it is. Um, and also but one- how can we even imagine how hard it is? Yeah. Just to know that we can't imagine how hard it is. Right. Um, and connected little Nakuda also is just that in the Sefer later on, there are places where the Rebbe protests. Hi, Sarah, this is his, his, the Eish Kodesh and Chaisela. I think he's protesting here too. Hmm? Maybe it's a different kind of protest that you're referring to. I think you're saying pro the protest of understanding in terms of I'm fighting God. I'm protesting against God. I'm the nomic of Something like that. Yeah. I think the Rebbe here is saying I'm on my own here. I'm a lake. Isn't just outside of me. I'm like inside of me. I'm dealing with Libi I'm sitting here thinking, you're kidding me, God? You're even here? And I'm choosing right now to say, I'm like, I see you here. But I refuse to believe that you're stronger than me. I refuse to believe that, I refuse to accept my Amalek over my Israel. I feel like that's what he's doing here. Mukhrachani, im ken, like this is the whole Chiddush here. The whole Chiddush here is identifying your weakness and saying, im ken, that's where I have to go. That's the whole, the whole Lekach. He to show that that doesn't define him. The whole Lekach, his, his, his whole like resolution of all of his questions here is, I see where the vulnerability is 
And because I see where it is, so I'm gonna I'm gonna show up there. And I'm not gonna just be lost here. There might be no place here, but there's there is a place here because I'm gonna put myself there. So is it a protest directed towards God? I don't think so. But it's the koach of protest that is pushing him to say, again, he doesn't talk about Yitro saying, that's amazing what God did for the Jewish people. Can you believe he saved them from Amalek? That's not what he's saying. He's saying Yitro identified where, where Amalek could even have a petach. Where can Amalek enter in? Where is the vulnerability? And if that's where the vulnerability is, I know that there's Torah in that vulnerability. I don't know what that Torah is, but I know that there's Torah there. There has to be. And this is what it is. That's what I, what I hear his protest being. His machloket. His, I don't even want to say resolution, but what he, what, what he pulls out of it and what he, how he pulls himself through it. And he's giving koch to every other yid. Say exactly where you think you're the weakest. Exactly where your weakness is. That's somehow, somehow, you can be there. Somehow. Many of these recordings are from Rabbi Ami's ongoing weekly classes given at Yeshivat Sharei Shalom in Jerusalem. For more information, go to shalom.org.il forward slash about. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Kohn. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.